welcome to another episode of the Politics Unboxed podcast. I'm Reese, and today we're going to be starting off what I think is going to become quite a long-running segment called 2020 Vision, where I'm going to take a look at uh, well, what's going on across the pond in the American presidential election, the lead-up to sort of the general election in November, and uh, what's starting with uh, the primaries, so the Republican primary and the Democratic primary. There is technically still a Republican primary going on. Uh, however, it is incredibly unlikely that anyone other than Donald Trump will be nominated from it. There are only two other contenders. Both of them are, well, essentially nobodies. And they stand very, very, very little chance of receiving the nomination. But there is technically a contest going on. Uh, the incumbent president is very rarely challenged for his party's nomination. But... That means there is going to be quite the race going on and a lot of focus on the Democratic presidential primary. Now, a couple of months ago, there were sort of up to a field of about 20 candidates, possibly. People like Beto O'Rourke, Cory Booker, um, Senator Kamala Harris, um, people like Tulsi Gabbard as well. And now the field has pretty much narrowed down to eight contenders. So that's Joe Biden. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, uh, New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg, Andrew Yang, Amy Klobuchar, and Tom Steyer. Now, if we look at the national polling averages for all of those people, Joe Biden is ahead on 26.4%, Bernie Sanders in second, 20.6%, Warren at 15%, then Buttigieg at 7.6%, Bloomberg 7.4%, Yang 4.3%, Senator Klobuchar at 3 and Steyer in last out of those eight at 2 Point three, But what is interesting is they don't have to do particularly well in the poll or the popular vote. They have to win delegates. So how the Democratic primary works is that every state holds a contest, either a caucus or a primary. So more on that later. Uh, and you're not voting directly for the candidate. You're voting for what's known as delegates. And those delegates will then go to the party's convention in probably... June or July, and they will then vote for the candidate to which they are pledged. So if, I don't know, let's pick an early state, Iowa, if Iowa send 12 delegates in the name of Joe Biden, then those 12 delegates will go to the National Convention, and when it comes time to vote for the presidential nominee, they will vote Joe Biden. If they send 10 for Sanders, then they'll vote for Sanders, and so on and so on. So that's what I'm going to mean when I talk about delegates and uh, what people get. So whilst the national polls are all well and good, the first time that anyone will actually see what the public or some level of the public want is in the first actual vote. And that, as always, is going to happen in Iowa. It's going to happen on February the 3rd. And Iowa holds what's known as a caucus. Now, a caucus is slightly different to a primary. Uh, a caucus is a meeting of all of the party members. Uh, it happens at a specific time. Sometimes it's just in one place. Sometimes they can spread it over over a few places. But all of the party members are invited. And you have to sit in a hall and you listen to a pitch from either the candidates or representatives of the candidates and then after you've listened to pitches from all of the candidates you vote for who you want your presidential 
nominee to be. And that way, only those people registered to a party can turn up to that caucus, and it means they've actually actively listened, and they've had the opportunity to change their minds. And they've had exposure to all of the arguments, I guess. Now, in Iowa there is a, a rule that if you don't get 15% of the vote, then you don't win any of the share of the delegates from Iowa. So those who do then get to, well, sort of partition out the delegates. Iowa has 41 delegates. They're all uh, given away on, on various different uh, metrics, but there's 41 to go around, and everyone who gets over 15% gets a share. And um, well, if we take a look at what is the most recent poll in Iowa, it has Joe Biden leading the way on 24%, then Senator Warren, 18%, um, former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, Pete Buttigieg, on 16%, and that's all the people who've made it past the 15% threshold. Because on current polling, or on the most recent polling, Bernie Sanders just misses out with 14%, uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar missing out with 11%, and then sort of a collection of also-rans with Tom Steyer at 4%, Andrew Yang 3 and Michael Bloomberg just 1%. So what would that mean for each candidate's delegate count? Well, on current projections, Joe Biden leaves Iowa with 17 delegates pledged to his name, Senator Warren with 14 delegates, and Pete Buttigieg with 10, the rest all leaving with none. And that could be a step in the direction of a momentum switch, because as it's the first time the public have had a chance to test the candidates, it's the first real—it's almost a—it's re almost a referendum on each of the candidates. And if a candidate gets no delegates coming out of Iowa, that can be a real change. And also, if a candidate comes out of nowhere and wins a load of delegates in Iowa, that can really put the momentum into their campaign. Uh, in 2014, the last time round, Senator. Not Senator Clinton, uh, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, who eventually did become the Democratic nominee, looked like it was just going to be a shoehorn, uh, a coronation for the Democratic National Convention. Um, but Bernie Sanders ran her very close in Iowa, only losing by uh, a couple of a couple of percent, um, and that really kick-started what was to become a far more competitive campaign than anyone could have imagined. Sanders came out of absolutely nowhere in his attempt to challenge Clinton, and he came close. So if someone does come out of nowhere in this Democratic pack to take several of the delegates from Iowa, that could be a real momentum shift. It can also work the other way, of course, because Bernie Sanders has been polling very well for a while. But if he comes out of Iowa with no delegates, does that really put the brakes on his momentum? Could that turn his campaign around and leave him, well, stranded? He was uh, a real contender to be a, a front-runner in this, but if he loses his momentum and the campaign grinds to a halt after Iowa, well, that could be big for him. That could sort of be curtains for his campaign. If Warren has all the momentum coming out of Iowa, then she will be the left-wing candidate to go for. If sh people genuinely feel that Warren's campaign is going places and Sanders is a bit stuck in the mud, they will go for Warren because they occupy much of the same sort of progressive left-wing ground. Now, I talked a bit about the national poll averages earlier. If we translate those into delegate estimates, well, it's um, it's looking like a coronation for Joe Biden. At the moment, he would be projected to win about 1,400 delegates, 
with Bernie Sanders only getting about 500, Senator Warren 400, uh, Pete Buttigieg just under 60. Um, no one else breaks 50. Um, and that would be a thumping victory for, for Biden, undoubtedly. And if the polls to be believed, he is essentially walking into to a coronation. But of course, with all these momentum shifts that could possibly happen, um, February the 3rd is Iowa, uh, New Hampshire is not long after that, uh, I think, when is it, it's the 11th of February, and then Super Tuesday is when a lot of states have their primaries, that's going to be, I think, the 3rd of March, so that's going to be a very big day in the, in the primary race. There's a lot that can happen between now and uh, now and then, between now and the Democratic National Convention. But Iowa is a good starting point. Something interesting, however, is that three of these campaigners, Senator Bernie Sanders, Senator Elizabeth Warren, and Senator Amy Klobuchar, are not going to be in Iowa to campaign for the next sort of week or so. And that's because they have to be in the Senate, because there is an impeachment trial going on. Um, it's been on the podcast a while, you can't really have avoided it, but the impeachment of President Trump takes up rather a lot of senators' time, and it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see if they can keep their campaign mechanisms alive throughout this uh, impeachment trial, because if they are off the front line and they lose well, they lose their, their ground game, if they lose connection, then they could seriously be in trouble and people like Pete Buttigieg could fill the gaps and Joe Biden could pull further and further ahead of people like Sanders and Warren. So it will be interesting to see how the differences play out between people who are in the Senate and people who are able to really press ahead in Iowa. Right, so now we've had a thorough examination of how the Democrats are looking going into Iowa, and how their overall state of the primary is looking. I'm going to introduce a small segment we're going to have at the end of 2020 Vision, uh, most weeks, or most times I put this out, probably will be weekly actually, um, which is going to be analysing the polls in every state to see how the leading figures in the Democratic primary match up against the person we assume is going to be running against them, Donald Trump. Because every every state has these individual polls which match up uh, each candidate in their personal popularity ratings. And we can use that to see how each state is thinking of going in the 2020 general election. Now I've painstakingly gone through every state I can find a poll for and put in the results onto an electoral map to see which states come out blue, which states come out red. And we're going to have a look at Pete Buttigieg first, because he is the fourth most likely Democrat to win the presidency, according to current poll figures, or to win the nomination, rather. Um, and it looks like that if he was to go up against Trump tomorrow, the polls are suggesting Buttigieg would win 264 electoral college votes, and Donald Trump would win 274, which means that Trump would remain president. So it's we're going to have a quick look at each of the states that are important, these sort of swing states that could go either way and really help to decide the presidency. Because obviously states like California, which tend to 
more ways to go Democrat. In fact, they haven't gone Republican since 1988. And Texas, who haven't gone Democrat since the 60s, um, they are safe states. Uh, the states we really have to worry about or have to focus on when it comes to election times are swing states. States like Ohio, which has predicted the correct winner of a presidential election by voting the same way every time since, I think, the election of Kennedy in 1960. And that's a very good record. Uh, Florida, also a very good bellwether. It's n not always been right in the past, but it tends to go the right way. Uh, Pennsylvania, slightly leaning Democratic, but if it goes Republican, you can tell the Republicans are in for a, a good night. And then obviously smaller places like Michigan and Wisconsin often to have some sort of, of impact and have some sort of good predicting powers. So if we look at those swing states, Florida under this projection will remain Republican but by a slightly smaller margin than it was last time. So Trump's lead will shrink by a percent or so. Ohio as well will stay Republican. So if Buttigieg were to campaign, it doesn't look like he'll be able to, to turn those key swing states. Um, the, the lake states, so Wisconsin and Michigan, Trump won them last time, but it doesn't look like under current polling figures he's going to be able to keep a hold of them. Uh, even with uh, Pete, Pete Buttigieg running, who uh, hasn't got strong poll figures, it does look like he can outmatch Trump in those states on current projections. And interestingly, Pennsylvania, part of the, the Rust Belt of voters, so the, the old heavy industry that Donald Trump played to uh, a lot in his election campaign, Pennsylvania does look like it's going to go Democrat if Buttigieg were the nominee against Trump. But all of that is to naught if he can't get to 270 Electoral College votes, which, under this projection, he won't. Therefore... On current poll figures, if Pete Buttigieg were to be the Democratic nominee, he would lose the election to Donald Trump, and that is not something the Democrats want. So either Buttigieg has got to put some work on the ground, or the Democrats are going to have to choose a different nominee. Um, interesting that some of the states Trump won last time, Buttigieg can flip, but Trump's tactic of solidifying his core in places like Florida, places like Ohio, uh, under this poll projection, it will work because perhaps they don't see Buttigieg as quite as convincing an opposition candidate as some of the others who are in the field. And we'll be able to explore some of those other candidates in later podcasts at the end of these 2020 visions. So just about run out of time. Uh, thank you very much for listening. There will certainly be more of these coming up. And I hope to see you all around soon. This podcast is now on, what is it, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Apple, um, and the Instagram is politics.unbox. If you have any suggestions, things you want to see in the podcast, please do let me know. Right then, thank you very much for listening, and goodbye. Mm -hmm.